0: With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the fix Podcast, CBS Sports NFL podcast. I'm Will Rinson. I'm your host. Franchise tag deadline is come and gone. We're going to break it all down. And I mean, I don't know if you ever get like, like a, you know, it's not an emergency pod, but it's like a franchise tag recap pod with a little monocle emoji there. You'd love to see it. Sean Breach joining me as well as Brady Quinn from Show.
1: Feels good to say it. All right. Can we kick off the show by me asking you guys both a question? Absolutely. If you could use the franchise tag, but you only get one on one person at CBS, who would it be? Um, like a breach, like a breach.
0: Wait, wait. So, like, is the goal to? Can I tag it,
2: myself? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> well, no, but I mean, like, what is? it What's the goal of the tag here? Is it to like? Is it essentially you're saying like this is somebody we have to keep at CBS? Yes. And you can't tag yourself.
1: Can't somebody, tag yourself.
0: Um. Or can we? No, not you, Billy. Billy, <laughs> Billy Billy's getting the, Billy's getting the, Billy's in the free agency's out. He's gone. Billy's getting a third round tender. So um, if I had to use it, I mean, like, I, there's a couple ways you can go with this. One, you have to assume that, um, like, okay, so, like, like, also, what are the prices here? Like, because if I can tag Pete Prisco at the running back cost, which is, I think, you know, his relative worth, then, you know, that's probably what you would want to do. <laughs> But uh, you know, I, you know, I think I'm I'm a I'm a pretty good uh, butt kisser, so I'll go executive style. <laughs> like uh, we we'll like Eric K. Got to tag Eric K. E. K.? Okay, you want the E K. Breach, who you
1: got?
2: I might say Jeff Cardula. Like I'm not
1: just gonna say I was just gonna say you might say Gert's there.
2: Yeah, Gert, Gert, I'll tag Gert. You know what? I since Brady asked the question, I'm gonna hit Brady with the tag. Oh, thanks, man. I He's a key player. you would have on the roster. You have to have the NFL insight because that's a level that uh stooges like me and brinton can't get to that's for real so it's it's uh you know oh, talking like, with you also
0: all right let me ask you this brady quinn an actual quarterback so that means you can't you can't be like well you're getting the wide receiver tag brady you gotta get brady the quarterback
2: tag no <laughs> no he gets the kicker tag I, you didn't let me finish are you, <laughs>
0: gonna, are, you gonna go, are you gonna go exclusive or non-exclusive franchise tag on brady
1: oh breach
2: uh, non-exclusive that way Fox can call me and I can, you know, negotiate against them.
1: Okay. See, can I use the non-exclusive tag on Pete Prisco just to put him through the misery of having to negotiate with any and all potential offers out there, right? Like just put them out there, right? You know, you can you, no, you franchise tag, but you want the non-exclusive franchise tag to make Pete go through the mental gymnastics of dealing with all of that. And potentially finding out what his, what his market worth is, which could be really disappointing for Pete.
0: Right, right, right. Like, like Bally Sports comes in and offers Pete like three years at like 35. Yeah. you know, like, something and just they like,
1: low, just, they lowball I, him. And I match the offer and I just bring him right back. And I'm like,
0: ha 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 ha. He gets just lowballed and he says, learn the game. Submarine did living crap out of Pete's salary. Just that's like, right. that's market, right. Market, no one wants him. <laughs> you're a li- <laughs>
1: Uh, how rich would that be? Oh.
0: It would be, I mean, It would not Not for Pete, not very rich, I don't think. But yes, it would be hilarious. Does that uh, send us uh, into our first topic, by the way? Sure. How knows, about sure. The
2: non-exclusive
1: franchise tag.
0: That's why I went. That was a pretty good quick thinking by me. Lamar Jackson, given the non exclusive franchise tag by the Ravens, a statement issued by Eric DaCosta stating basically we weren't able to come to a deal. Um, they knocked out the, you know, I think they, I think they, they, you could tell that the things basically wrapped up at you know, a certain, like, it, it was clear nothing was going to happen. I mean, DaCosta uh, in the statement said, having not yet reached a long-term deal with Lamar Jackson, we will use the franchise tag. There were many instances across the league in Baltimore when a player has been designated with the tag and signed a long-term deal that same year. We'll continue to negotiate in good faith with Lamar, and we're hopeful that we can strike a long-term deal that is fair to both Lamar and the Ravens. Our ultimate goal is to build a championship team with Lamar leading the way for many years to come. Um,
2: oh, you motherfuckers. <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah. So the question here becomes one, actually I guess the question is ultimately because we've already heard two teams reportedly. Uh, I think it was Joe person, uh, for the Charlotte observer, Oh no, Joseph with the athletic, the Charlotte observer reported, and I didn't see it. I just heard that that the Panthers would not be pursuing Lamar Jackson and Diana Rossini of ESPN reported that the Falcons would not be pursuing Lamar Jackson. To me, those are the two most obvious landing spots, like potential places for Lamar to go. And I sort of wonder, Brady, I guess the question is, will anybody come have at Lamar Jackson with an offer sheet or is he going to get prisco here?
1: <laughs> he very well could get prisco here. I think the, the tough thing is, and and I do think it'd be wise if we had Breach kind of go through all the details of now what can happen over the course of the next few months. But my, my initial uh, reaction to that is, I think there's one team. And I had said earlier, like, I thought it was Atlanta until so Diana Rossini and Peter Schrager and so many others out there put out the report that they're not interested, which is a bit, it's, it's a bit shocking, honestly. I mean, he's a huge upgrade for them. Arthur Smith, you could make the case on the hot seat if they don't win this year. And Arthur Blank has deep pockets, and we've seen him pay quarterbacks in the past like Matt Ryan. Now, maybe he regrets that because they didn't really have success after that you know, standpoint or as much success as they had hoped. So maybe he wants to stay away from paying a guy $230 million on t- a total guaranteed contract, which is what he's looking for. The only other team that I think there's like a track record or history of this is the Washington Commanders. Whoa. Dan Snyder has been known to want to bring in top-talented guys. It's been a long time, but the Deion Sanders, the Bruce Smiths, those sorts of high, those sorts of signings back in the day, he's got the pockets to be able to do it. And I also wonder if it's not, and dare I say, a distraction technique oh, that absolutely. maybe he would utilize, too, with everything else that's going on with the Washington Commanders. So uh, I know someone just threw out the Raiders there. I, I don't know that that's the direction that they'll want to go, A, because I don't know that Mark Davis is liquid enough to be able to put $230 million total guarantee in escrow, but B, the system that Josh Daniels runs, they're in a position to draft a quarterback, it seems like Jimmy Garoppolo and a draft pick are probably the more likely scenario in Las Vegas. So, so
0: breach Brady mentioned this, and I think it is really important to touch on with the non-exclusive franchise tag.
1: Things become
0: really complicated in terms of what happens moving forward. Uh, right. And look, like I've I've read the CBA a lot. Like I, I mean, I mean, I, I'm I'm and I'm again a former notary, as everyone knows. Uh Vast legal expertise. I feel. Thank you, Brady, for raising the roof. Uh I feel comfortable. You know, diving into the CBA, you know, you got, you, got to, you can't have distractions though when you're doing it. You got to be laser focused because otherwise, it is hard to concentrate on such thick pros from the uh, from the from the union and in, and in, in, the, in the in the in the management. But like when you, the, I think the you interpreted it very well on our Slack channel. Any team can make him an offer sheet up until when the the date of the 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 actual date to extend players off a normal franchise tag.
2: Right. And the deadline usually is July 15th, but that's on a Saturday this year. So it's July 17th. So any team out there can throw a contract, throw an offer sheet at Lamar and try to sign him between now and July 17th. The Ravens can also negotiate that long term deal between now and July 17th. If something doesn't get done by then, then he can only play for the Ravens. And he has till the Tuesday after uh, week 10 to sign that franchise tag, which rarely ever comes up. We saw it with Le'Veon Bell uh in 2018 so that is the one situation i don't think things will get right, that far
0: I, I was talking Brady about this too vincent jackson did this as well so did um there's a lineman who did it who was it there was a guard who did it the same year vincent jackson did. was it for the patriots i'll look it up anyway uh but like you we, in the new cba you have not seen franchise tag players hold out for the like they just take the money and they come in into play Le'Veon bell being the only example of the new of the new the new
2: cba well and we all saw how that worked out for him, uh, not well, so I'm guessing that Lamar looking at that is thinking, all right, well, we don't want to take it that far. And one thing I will say, I wasn't really thinking about the commanders as a landing spot, but Brady mentioning them is really fascinating because, look, if you're Dan Snyder and you realize all the other owners hate you, what would be the biggest fu than handing out a fully guaranteed contract that the owners don't want to give out? Then selling the team like a week later and saying, all right, peace out. Have fun with that $270 million contract that I just gave uh, Lamar Jackson. And I don't have to pay any of it because somebody else is buying the team. That's on Jeff Bezos now or whoever else is buying the team from me. So that would be pretty wild if Snyder went out like that. And the Falcons, like you guys said, seemed like the obvious spot. And for them to already be out on this, I mean, the thing is, things could change after the draft. If they're going after a quarterback in the draft, they don't get the guy they want or they don't want to trade up. And you find yourself on May 1st in a situation where you still need a quarterback and the Ravens haven't worked out a deal with Lamar Jackson yet. Then boom, then you start talking to him then. So maybe they're out on him today. Maybe they're not after the draft. uh, But it does seem like there's a lot, a few landing spots, but I don't think anybody's going to give him a fully guaranteed deal. I
0: think it is, and the, the Daniel Snyder thing is really fascinating because for the exact point is you, that you note, know Breach, if if he believes he's being forced to sell, because I think you could arguably make the case, and now I wouldn't, you know, I, I don't want to be careful here because I don't want to allege something that I have obviously no ability to prove. I just think that in the past, we have heard the C word a.k.a. collusion, thrown around. Now, if there were ever an opportunity for a group of like fairly like-minded individuals who have one goal in mind, to come together and to stop and put it an into fully guaranteed contracts and make sure that Deshaun Watson is, in fact, not, not the norm, but an aberration, It would be for none of the other NFL owners and the NFL teams to pursue Lamar Jackson, knowing he needs a fully guaranteed deal. And that's why it's really interesting to hear immediately that the Panthers and the Falcons, especially teams that were involved in the Deshaun Watson, like like attempt to get him, are suddenly just not interested in Lamar Jackson. Like Brady, it it, kind of, there's a little bit of, it stinks a little bit.
1: It does. There's definitely a stench there. It doesn't make sense, too, considering Lamar Jackson's been a better player than Deshaun Watson over the course of his career. So if you're in on Deshaun, you figure, especially considering Lamar hasn't had some of the off the field issues that Deshaun Watson's dealt with, that you would be in on Jackson in this case. Uh, But you're also talking about a time, too, where both Carolina and Atlanta are in positions to be able to take a quarterback in the top 10 if the right guy falls to them, potentially move up. There's still a lot of time before the draft. So maybe that's more of the plan moving forward. I, I, I can't imagine that it's going to be Matt Corral in Carolina or Desmond Ritter uh, in Atlanta moving forward. You'd have to be thinking that both these teams are potentially looking at either a free agent or kind of a combination of that uh, and looking at the draft as well. Um, I just, I, I guess I'd like to be naive to it as a player, thinking that there's not collusion amongst owners, but I do think there's kind of like an unwritten rule right now where no one's going to want to guarantee or you have another fully guaranteed deal like that's the last thing uh, that the owners want it's something that the players haven't been able to unify well enough at any point in time to be able to go get and even for guys like Kirk Cousins who's tried to provide an example of a roadmap as to how to get it you still see many guys don't follow suit so it, it, I'll, I'll be curious to see how this works out I mean it, b- bottom line is you know d- does a deal get done considering one hasn't gotten done with Baltimore the team that drafted him he doesn't have a representation does a deal get done if he finally signs up an agent like I, I do I do tend to think that like that's. That's one of the things that's out there that, like, if he wants that guaranteed deal, he's going to find an agent. Like, someone who could actually go out there and negotiate these terms and figure out, like, where that's realistic and and what team maybe they should be focusing on. If he, via the NFLPA, is trying to do this on his own or with the consultation of the NFLPA, I don't think they're going to have a a better result when it's all said and done.
0: I I think the issue for Lamar in terms of getting that uh, fully guaranteed deal is I don't know that it happens with an agent and the reason why is that i think an agent is going to push to for one i mean like look if you have an agent if, if you're a quarterback who has an agent and that agent doesn't get you a contract he looks like an idiot and people don't want to sign with anybody who can't get someone signed two the agent is going to push to get money in his pocket
1: for and- sure right well, so i would counter by saying this he just doesn't he's not going to need an agent then right like like he i think i think that's the, that's what he knows going into it Yeah, He may be saying, I need you to give me the best deal possible. It's fully guaranteed. And then he can come back with those numbers So if he doesn't like it. But the bottom line is he hasn't had an agent up to this point. I think the whole point of him getting an agent is to get that deal that he wants. I don't know that he's just going to list some guys pushing some of their deal that's not going to be there. He'll just say, I'll play under the franchise tag for another year.
2: Well, I think the flip side, though, real quick, is that if he is only willing to sign a fully guaranteed deal, then you don't need an agent because all your agent's going to say is, he wants a fully guaranteed deal. You, you know, there's no push or shove there. It's you get the fully guaranteed deal or you're not going to sign. So I, I think in that sense, if Lamar is dead set on getting a fully guaranteed deal, then he doesn't think he needs an agent because there's no negotiations to be had. Now,
1: there's me- there's the, the element of, I think, working with different teams and their front offices and understanding like what's realistically out there. Right. I mean, maybe he's not going to exactly what Deshaun Watson's deal is, is a five year fully guaranteed deal, but maybe he gets a shorter version of that. And that might be something that's a little more palatable, and you just need someone to go out and negotiate that for you. Again, we don't know what Lamar Jackson's thinking in the back of his mind, or even who's helping him. I mean, at this point, he, I, I imagine he's got some sort of management service, some sort of consultation outside of even the NFLPA helping with this.
0: Yeah, and and look, like I'm with you. If you if he wants to get a deal done with the Ravens, getting an agent, yes, would he lose some money off the top? But he would ultimately get the deal done, and he would he would get close. I think if he, it just boils down to is he entrenched in this idea that he is going to get a fully guaranteed contract now the question then becomes if he's willing to play out two more years of the franchise tag which is because the ravens will tag him again next year because you can go up to 120% you can do non-exclusive and no one's going to give him an offer next year if they don't this year if he does that then the, then the question is will somebody give him a fully guaranteed contract in free agency because there is a huge difference between doing fully guaranteed when, without the two first round picks i mean that's you know you you feel like your team has a much better chance of being competitive, like keeping the two first round picks and giving those up and, and, and can
1: can I ask this question? Is this the worst case scenario for Lamar or would have been getting the exclusive franchise tag better?
2: This is worse because I, this is basically the Ravens playing chicken, but them feeling like they have all the leverage, like, Oh, you wanted a fully guaranteed deal from us. Well, guess what? What if you're not exclusive tag? You go try and get it from someone else. They're not going to give it to you because not only do they have to give you all that money, but they have to give you two first-round draft picks. And I, the Ravens are basically daring any other NFL team to give them that deal. And then Lamar, if he can't get that deal, is going to have to tuck a tail between his legs, walk back to the Ravens, say, fine, all right, you guys were right. I'll take your deal with $160 million guaranteed or whatever. And then the Ravens will say, oh, well, now it's $140 million guaranteed because you didn't take it back when you had it before. So I do feel like this is... Worst case scenario for
0: Lamar. Yeah, and then again, let's just on the hypothetical of collusion. Last I find myself being thrown in court by the NFL. Not that the NFL owners are that worried about this, but i am saying, like in the hypothetical of the collu- of this collusion case, which by the way, it wouldn't be unprecedented for for the NFLPA to file a collusion claim on behalf of Lamar. We've seen that in recent years. I don't think it's going to happen. I'm just saying it wouldn't be
1: unprecedented. It doesn't go anywhere anyways. Like then they're just like, ah, harumph. We <laughs> look for collusion. Harumph.
0: Yeah, but I'm saying like, if you're the Baltimore Ravens and you are aware of generally an, int- a, an interest in the NFL owners, if keeping uh, fully guaranteed deals off the table and you can kind of quickly do the math, right? So like you can say, okay, the Bengals, we don't need to talk to the Bengals about this. They don't want fully guaranteed contracts out there because they've got Joe Burrow coming up. We don't need to talk to the Chargers about this. They've got you know Justin Herbert coming up. We don't need to talk to the Raiders. Mark Davis isn't even a billionaire. He's like half a billionaire. Oh, my God. And they, they, but you can go through the list and find, find, like, there's a short number of teams that you need to basically say, we're not coming after Lamar. And all of a sudden, it completely evaporates all of his leverage. It has It explains what the market is to him. From the market's perspective, and if you have that knowledge of what your peers are thinking on other teams, it makes it a lot easier to play that game of chicken. And so in the, if in this hypothetical that we're discussing, I don't know, it feels like a very good possibility.
1: Let's let's talk about timing though, too, because I don't know that Breach got to talk about like every little detail of it, right? Yeah. Because he has basically up until now and is until July 17th or the 22nd breach, where Teams can submit offer sheets to be able to potentially get his services, and the two first-round picks would go to Baltimore. Is that the time frame to get a long-term deal negotiated?
2: Right, July seventeenth. That any other team can send that offer sheet in, and then you know the later it is, the end, and then the sixteenth, the Ravens have to turn around quickly decide if they're going to match it, uh, and then obviously if they don't, the Ravens get the two first-round picks. So July seventeenth. So we- Fox so game. the, oh, the Brad-
1: interesting thing about that though, is like not every team is able to really negotiate with them. Like Will and I were talking about this before the show, like the dolphins can't until after the 2023 draft. Cause they don't have a first round pick. Right.
0: Well, here's, here's what's interesting, Brady. Just the timing of it—it's so weird how these teams have already decided this. Uh, Jeff Darlington, or our pal Jeff Darlington, who lives, lives down your way, the Dolphins will not be pursuing Lamar Jackson or any other starting quarterbacks this all season. Multiple team sources tell me, as one source said, Mike Foley believes too is a perfect fit for his system. This, despite, so they're not interested in Lamar Jackson, despite heavy rumblings. Heavy of Tom Brady. <laughs> Go to my It's like if Tom Brady signs in Miami, and the Dolphins like came out with this. We're not pursuing Lamar like five minutes after Lamar gets the non-exclusive tag. You you can kind of connect the dots there.
1: Yeah. I I'm really hoping, by the way, for a Tom Brady, Rob Runkowski reunion in Miami. Anyway, um, but so Same. to that point, Miami's not pursuing them, but like teams like what the Rams, Browns, not that they would either, 49ers, they wouldn't be able to either, at least not until after the draft, even if they wanted to, because they don't have the consecutive year's first round picks. However, they could agree, essentially, though, to a sign-and-trade, right? He signs the, the tag. They trade then, you know, form from Baltimore, whatever that conversation is negotiated, and that team agrees to a long-term deal. That is still on the table, correct?
0: Yeah. For instance, Lamar could sign now, and he wouldn't. And this, now, and this is where, as we pointed out with the agent stuff, it again, it gets really tricky because you don't have an agent. Like an agent's sole job would be to work with the various teams that might have interest in you.
1: But you guys said he doesn't need one,
0: so I'm
2: just just, (laughs) saying. I I didn't say he didn't need one. I I always said he didn't need one if he is dead set on getting a fully guaranteed deal where there's nothing. Hey, don't call me unless your offer is fully guaranteed. In that case, he doesn't need one. Every other case, he does. For for instance, let's just say
0: hypothetically that the San Francisco 49ers were interested in Lamar Jackson, and they wanted to work on a deal where it's a sign and trade. Well, without an agent, it is really hard because you have to negotiate one with the Ravens, you can say like, listen, you're going to sign this tender. You know, we, you know this trade's going to happen. you sign the tender. And then the Ravens and the 49ers have to negotiate compensation. The agent for Lamar would be involved in that. Like discussing, like just helping to facilitate, like, you know, not not the specifics of it, but just helping to facilitate and talk to the teams. And then you got to negotiate another deal with the 49ers. So without an agent, man, that, that, that part, that sign of trade becomes really difficult. It seems to me that this may come down to whether or not Lamar Jackson is willing to leave i guess it would be what 10 weeks of prorated salary on the t- 10 weeks of like 32 something million dollars on the table and to sit out for the full season or whether he will eventually just sign the sign the tender show up play on the 32 million cuz i mean unless it's washington coming in rogue it doesn't look like anybody's going to i mean th- the quickness was with, with which these teams like leak this information that they are not interested in the former MVP
1: available for two first round picks is startling. So that I think I, I wonder how much of the behind the scenes too, has kind of gotten around the league, you know, and just some people that I know within the Baltimore Ravens organization is people have talked about him being kind of a handful, you know, as great of a player as he is, there's some things that they obviously haven't appreciated in regards to how he's handled himself in, in a number of ways. So Um, that may be something, too, that makes them a little less attractive, especially as you're coming on a draft class now that you have four quarterbacks you could look at and say could be first-round talents. You have two that are probably better than any of the quarterbacks in this year's draft class in next year's, right, in Caleb Williams and Drake May. Uh, And that's not to say there's not going to be more along with that class. So I think if you're a team that's looking for a quarterback in the short term, right now you're probably looking at some of your prospects saying – I feel like this guy's going to be a lot cheaper and maybe a, a much less headache that I have to deal with when I'm talking about what Lamar Jackson might bring along with him.
2: No doubt about it. All right, let's move and, on. And real quick, salary cap space is a huge issue. Yeah. Because he wants, if, if you're talking about $50 million per year, fully guaranteed, there are only two teams that even have $50 million in cap space right now, the Falcons and the bears. And of course teams can make cap space, but then that's another thing that those teams have to worry about before they can go out and make an offer to Lamar so, I mean, there are a lot of moving parts there to even give him an offer.
1: Would you say the liquidity issue, too, and just having enough cash to be able to pay him what he's looking for in order to make it work, I mean, that, that's another restraint. Like, I think we're actually getting to a point now when you look across the NFL with all these quarterbacks who have contracts are up, where that's going to become a, a huge issue moving forward as far as the haves and have-nots and how they're able to uh, at least sign on their quarterbacks and, and you know build a roster that's able to win a Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, and and very quickly too, and I don't think I don't really believe this. I'm, I'm, not, I'm just, but I'm, but I do I do think that there will be teams in the league who might think this. Like, all right, we're trading two first round picks for Lamar Jackson, and we're signing to this massive extension. Do we then have to fit a system around him? You know, like do you have to do you have to bring it? Like you've most teams have already, everybody's already hired their coach and their offensive coordinator and brought in their coaching staffs. And like, for instance, the Panthers. I, I'm not, I I don't know the answer to this with Frank Reich, but it's it's entirely possible that Frank, Reich, You know, is was like, Hey, look, like talking to Tepper and talking to Scott Fitter, the GM, the, the owner, David Tepper, of course, and saying, you know, Lamar is an incredible player. I don't know that for the cost from a contract and the cost from the draft pick perspective, especially holding number nine, that this is the right move, you know, given our system. I mean, so like that part of that is reasonable with them as well. The Falcons one is weird because he would fit perfectly in what Arthur Blank wants to do. I mean, what Arthur Smith wants to do, excuse me. Anyway. Lamar Jackson, big, big deal. Also a big, big deal, Danny Dimes. Daniel Jones, the former number six overall pick by the New York football giants. Got a four-year, $160 million deal, uh, according to Ian Rappaport of NFL Media. You can see it here. $94 million virtually guaranteed at signing. $82 million guaranteed over the first two years. $35 million in incentives. And a first-year cap number around $19 million. It is a... Like, we'll see when the actual numbers come out. But if he's getting $82 fully guaranteed over the first two years with some incentives built in, that means, worst-case scenario, Daniel Jones just got two years and $41 million per year, which is a hell of a contract for a guy who didn't even have his fifth-year option picked up by the Giants, Brady.
1: This one is uh, – it's not surprising. I know some folks in the front office for the Giants, and I talked to them after the season. They said, hey, look – he earned it. We're going to be happy to pay him whatever it ends up coming to. I really thought though this would go down to the end where they'd go to a non-exclusive franchise tag route, see what potential other offers would be out there, and then it would agree probably to match whatever offer was was made. Cause I don't know that there would have been much of a market for Daniel Jones. It, it just, it's a bit surprising when you look at the numbers and you compare him to some of the other quarterbacks and him making essentially what 41 million uh over the course of the next couple of seasons for what, 15 touchdown passes this past year. I know they're bullish on him, uh, and you could talk to me about how they didn't have the type of talent around him at wide receiver to equate to the sort of success in the passing game, but I think they're going to find themselves a year from now in a position where they're still asking themselves whether or not he ultimately is the guy, and they'll have him under contract, and that's great, but um, that's the toughest part. I, I would have been probably a better fan of them using the tag on in some capacity. And then letting Saquon Barkley go into free agency and then figuring out what his market is. And, and look, you use a tag on Saquon, so you get to keep both. But the hard part is, is you know, Daniel Jones has played his best football with Saquon Barkley. And Saquon Barkley is not a part of that backfield. Daniel Jones isn't the same quarterback. So if it's hard to differentiate the two, you know, maybe you're you're looking at Daniel Jones saying if that's what he needs and he needs that much more out around him, how's he ultimately going to compete with some of the best in the league to try to win a Super Bowl when it's all said and done?
2: Yeah. And that's the thing is you have to have one of these franchise quarterbacks. We talk about it all the time, whether it's Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, you have to have the, the creme de la creme, the top tier, if you want to win a Super Bowl. And I think we can all agree that Daniel Jones is not that. As a matter of fact, if you asked me if I would rather have Derek Carr in his contract or Daniel Jones in his contract, I would pick Derek Carr. Absolutely. You're getting a slightly lower price, I think, and a slightly better value. And so it's almost like who are the Giants competing with here? They're competing with themselves. Brady, I think you just said it. No one's gonna go. it Was gonna give uh Daniel Jones forty million dollars per year. That could turn into fifty million dollars per year if he gets his thirty-five million incentives. But if he hits those, then he'd be worth it. So I, I just think right, it's yeah, crazy. Incentives, yeah. I, I just think it's crazy that they that they gave him this contract. I would have hit him with the franchise tag. You let Saquon Barkley walk, as Brady mentioned. But there were so you could go out and sign kareem hunt or try and get jamal williams or rashad penny there's so many running backs that are free agents this year that if you're losing saquon you can find someone running backs are interchangeable parts you can go out and find someone you don't need to pay daniel jones 40 million dollars per year so to, to me what this the setup with the giants and the biggest
0: problem is is that it is a it is a fault it was a mistake by ownership one to to hire the the previous regime Now, granted, the previous regime drafted both of these guys, but they didn't get any, they didn't get out of them, they didn't get out of them what they wanted to get out of them. It took this new regime of Joe Shane and and Brian Dable to get out what they expected from Saquon Barkley, albeit you know, take away that first year, and then Daniel Jones. Now, the mistake that was made by the front office, the previous front office, and by ownership. And this is not, and I understand why they made the mistake by or they why they made the mistake of not picking up Daniel Jones' fifth year option. It looked like he was not going to be a guy who was worth that type of money. we just seen in the class before, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, fifth-year options get picked up. It becomes a nightmare. You know, you have to, like, the Panthers picked up Sam Darnolds and looked like idiots, and and you know that's what the the Giants were thinking. But if you draft a player like Saquon Barkley, who even as a running back is a high-level, you know, high-level name, high-level talent, is going to command a pretty big, you know, is going to command a a decent contract – and you draft a guy like Daniel Jones at six overall, so two top ten picks, and you don't pick up the fifth-year option on Daniel Jones, you have inherently placed him on the same timeline as Saquon Barkley. So if you have any inclination whatsoever to pick to, to sign both either of those guys or both of those guys, you you you, you just need to just bite the bullet and take that fifth-year Danny Dimes and see if maybe somebody, he can turn the corner. And so they had the chance to do that. It was a mistake not to do that. And ultimately, it gave the – daniel jones and his new representation because caa apparently didn't want to talk to the giants um leverage in in terms of being able to say hey look you know you you you, we know you guys want to sign saquon barkley and we know like we know you guys clearly want to sign daniel jones but you you have to sign one of them because you can only use only use the franchise tag on one guy and the smart move is to pay daniel jones you pay the quarterback and you tag the running back we'll talk about that in a minute after after we take a break but like, yeah, this deal is really, really rich for a guy who, you know, had flashed last year, but hasn't exactly proven it to be a consistent winner at at the level. And I do wonder, Brady, how much of the emphasis to to keep Saquon and Daniel Jones on this roster came from the coaching staff in the front office versus coming from ownership who loved both guys uh, the second that they drafted them.
1: No, that's a good question. I mean, only they know internally that. I think the thing I was going to transition is asking is. Where does he even rank in the NFC East as far as quarterbacks? Is he third? I mean, if Lamar was to go to Washington, I mean, clearly he would probably be fourth in that case. I you mean, know, I just I kind of look at it and wonder like, did the Giants get better today? Probably keep it Saquon Barkley. Yes. You know, you've got more, more of an assured you know, product in what he is. And Daniel Jones, you're hoping he can build, you know, off of what he did this past year. And I just I think it's hard to believe or it's hard to think that. There wouldn't potentially have been another option. I mean, let's just put it this way. If you could have gotten Lamar Jackson, would that not have been an upgrade? Now, granted, you gotta you gotta pay him, but the reality is you might have had the opportunity to look for, for other options that might have been better than the you know current quarterback, you're now paying at least 82 million, uh, ninety some virtually guaranteed over the course of the next couple of seasons.
0: Yeah, I, it's it's a it's a big, it's a big contract. Now, I- at the same time, you know, we see this, we see this a lot where the initial report is four years, $160 million. It's
1: and a two-year deal. It's, it's a two-year deal.
0: It's exactly. It's two-year. Yeah. Like, if they want to – but if you thought – like, if you thought that this might be a remote possibility, pick up the fifth-year option and then use the franchise tag, which you – because you won't have to use it because you use it on – you, you will you want to use on Saquon because you use it the year before. Like, it's just a poor long-term management process. And granted, you, you split up the, you know, the front office change and everything – um. You know, like you have all this turnover with the coaching staff in the front office. I understand that makes it hard, but it's just poor long term thinking. Just eat the eighteen million or whatever it was on the fifth year option. Pay him that, and you know, worst case is you get that extra year at a much lower cost to find out if he's the guy. Now you have two years at at a higher price. So right, yeah, it's just not a not a perfect. Management job by the Giants. I'm going to try and manage our time here because it's all everybody's time is very valuable, especially yours, Brady. So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about all the running backs who got tagged and maybe a tight end too.
1: Next. The top players from the best schools and conferences in black college basketball will compete for the second ever HBCU All Star Game, April 2nd on
3: CBS. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
0: Josh Jacobs tagged friend of the pod. Is he from the pod? I guess we just did social media with him. I love Josh Jacobs. though. That's like, he's it's like, my make him a friend. Yeah. He's a friend of the pod. If he, yeah. We did an interview with him. Um, and, uh, Tony Pollard also tagged by the Dallas Cowboys. Josh Jacobs, of course, tagged by the law. I almost said Oakland and then tried to f- more said Las Vegas. I, I can't, I'm never going to get that right. Never. As long as I live, uh, the, the Las Vegas Raiders tagged Josh Jacobs and Saquon, of course, tagged by the giants. Um, Which one of these, if you had to pick one that you like the best, Breach, who would you go with?
2: Uh, For me, it's Josh Jacobs. Easy. It's just because you look at what he did last season. He led the NFL in rushing yards, led the NFL in yards from scrimmage, and then you look at what the Raiders are going to be in 2023. They don't have a quarterback. You don't know who's going to be out there throwing the ball, and so Josh Jacobs is going to have to be the focus of the offense. Again, even though they have Devontae Adams and Darren Waller, if you don't have uh, a, a great quarterback in there, then you need a good running back. And so I, I do think that he's going to play a big part in the Raiders offense this season, just like he did last season. And I, I don't think some of the Raiders could afford to lose. So I think out of those guys uh, that, that Jacobs is probably the one closest worth to the number he's getting.
1: Yeah. I'm right there with you. I mean, obviously this kind of sets up for them to draft a quarterback. Uh, that's a rookie and maybe even have a bridge like Jimmy Garoppolo either way. Garoppolo's injury prone, and if you have to make that transition, you're not putting the rookie out there without any help. So you've got the ability to rely on Josh Jacobs, really, you know, toting the rock for another year and helping carry that rookie through that for their season. The Pollard one is that's not surprising. I do feel like eventually they can maybe work out a long term deal to help reduce some of that cap hit. But but I also would wonder, like, have we ever seen a team allocate as much of their cap space to the running back position as the Dallas Cowboys? Like, is this the biggest number we've ever seen? I, I mean,
0: it's, it's obviously the biggest number in the league right now. Like, it's like, it's like three or four million dollars more than the Titans had allocated. Which like, uh, and yeah, it's the biggest number by far. And it, uh, I think, I, I don't want to say it is definitely the biggest number ever, but it's got to be pretty close. I mean, it, this is a huge number for a pair of running backs. Now, there's a decent chance that Zeke Elliott is asked to take a pay cut. I don't think it gets
1: cut. You don't think it gets cut? You don't think Jerry walks in there and just does the, Sweet talking. I I don't think like Jerry has it in him to cut Zeke Elliott. Like, what I, would that conversation sound like?
0: Ah, listen, Zeke, now listen everybody. I yeah, I yeah, I just think that you know we we're really talking about like you know we look at price and we look at you know like you look at the price of mosquitoes out there right now these days you know, and, and and hogs. You know what I'm saying? Like like market value, Zeke.
2: I don't know. He about. He always yells about mosquitoes. Brinson got so happy when you asked him to do his Jerry Jones impression. I saw his eyes light up. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: do. I do appreciate hearing everyone's Jerry Jones impersonation. I feel like everyone's got one at some point in time. They heard something. Maybe they met him. They spoke to him for a second. It's, it's just, it's some odd impression that everyone can do. The, um, the, the one that the, the, what's the line? The mosquito. He's like,
0: he, it's like, he's like, talking about what circumcising a mosquito. You ever heard that line? <laughs> the most Texas oh. line of all time. I'll find it real quick. Um, yeah, I, I mean, what do you think they do with Zeke Elliott? Like, I don't mind the t- the, the only the other thing too is like, like you tag Tony Pollard. Like, are you hundred percent sure he's gonna be healthy? Because I mean, that's a a, a breach head breach mos- the mosquito. Yeah, he's like Jerry Jones on Tony Romo. You don't have to go circum quote circumcising the mosquito. <laughs> um, I don't know what that means. Well, it means that so um. I mean it's I think it's
2: you just kind of Brenton knows it. he's he's an expert on both.
0: Yeah, like when you live where I live, you hear like stuff like this. Uh, yeah. look a mosquito in theory, being yeah. the, being the size that it is, not exactly rocking the same uh package that maybe like a horse would, right? So so you got a mosquito, you on a mosquito penis, My and you go going to circumcise, it's a difficult job because it's that microscopic.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I think I was there. I just wasn't really sure why anyone would, you know, combine the
2: two. Really sure if I would explain. Glad Brenton explained it.
0: Anywho, <laughs> moving along back to um, yeah, I mean, like Tony Bollard's I mean, Tony Bollard's had season any surgery. They don't know if he's healthy. And Zeke looks like a like a forced force the goal line runs type of back. Where I mean, and then you hear Mike McCarthy come out and say, "Kellen Moore wanted to air it out. I want to run the quote run the damn ball." Like I'm very bearish on the Cowboys just with the you know just the initial bolt out of like the start of, you know, start of the season here.
1: Yeah, it's 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 not looking good. Uh and it doesn't seem like you know Jerry Jones was talking overly favorably about Dak, but uh, when what is he ever? Uh besides that before he gets a record-breaking contract, right? Know,
2: right well and think this team right now, according to over the cap, is sixteen million dollars over the cap. They have to get under it. By March fifteenth, and they have twenty six million dollars committed to two running backs. This is the cap number for the uh, for Tony Pollard and Zeke Elliott combined. So that is just that's insanity that more than ten percent of their cap is wrapped up in two running backs.
0: I, I do think though that like it is such an obvious case of Jerry. Like, listen, here's the deal: we can because Zeke has no guaranteed money left. So you can what can they save? I mean, sort it, save like sixteen million dollars by cutting Zeke. I mean, we're going to cut you, or you can take this pay cut. Right. If you're Zeke, you just sort of have to take the pay cut because the
2: contract you sign has no guaranteed money left. You can't. It's like it's four point eight six million, but if they do it post June first, then it's ten point nine. But they have they're going to have to do it
0: before June first because they got to get underneath the salary cap more than likely. Right. So, oh, oh, the Cowboys. What a what a tangled tangled web we weave. All right, Gino Eugene Cyril Smith the third, Seattle Seahawks quarterback. I believe he made $19 million in his first, like, 14 years. I, mean, I guess he'd be first nine years in the league. And he just signed a contract uh, that will pay him $52 million guaranteed with the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, what, what We have the numbers? I, I guess it feels like it happened, like, 7
1: million years ago. It's over 100, right? A three-year deal, over 100. I think the first year, gets like, 52.
0: I think it's a three-year deal for, like, 105 or 106 million, and he gets 52 in the first year. Uh, a, a big deal for a guy like Geno Smith, who awesome. possibly,
1: yeah. Awesome for him. You know, like, you, I mean, he, well, look, he, he's matured a lot from his time with the New York jets, yep. which I mean, now looking back on his two years with the jets, I think they'd be clamoring to have him back. Um, yep. That being said though, uh, kudos to him, man. He, he capitalized on the opportunity that he was given. He's been able to roll it into literally almost three times. What more than what he's made his entire career up to this point in this next season. It seems like though, it's a premium for a bridge gap quarterback, maybe based on the structure of this. Like does this necessarily negate the Seahawks from taking a quarterback at what 5? I believe they're at uh,
0: 5 and 12. 5 and 20 maybe.
1: Yeah, 5 and 20 sounds right.
0: Yeah. Now, no, no, I don't think I don't think it does at all. Um I, I do think the Seahawks given their history of how they've operated in the draft and how they've gone out to remember they remember they signed Matt to a huge contract. You know, similar to this Gino deal, really, and then drafted Russell in the third round and started Russell from, from Jump Street. Um, I, to me, the thing is, will the Seahawks take a quarterback at five? I feel like they will be more inclined to either draft a blue-chip defensive player. Or trade out of it. Or trade out of it with somebody like Carolina who does want to get a quarterback and then maybe sort of maneuver around and find their quarterback. At a, like I, I think what you see the Seahawks doing, in my opinion, is trying to sort of do exactly what happened in with the Legion of Boom. Now it, it, it won't work out exactly like that, but like sort of trying to replicate the same sort of setup where hit on some draft classes. You get an offensive line, you get these running back, you, know, you get Kenneth Walker. If Charles Cross who comes in in that, in that for, as a first rounder, you know, and you hit on some defensive players, and suddenly you've got this really good run game, a quarterback who can you know, in Gino that you trust to manage the offense, sort of like Tavares Jackson or Matt hasselback uh, and then Matt Flynn as they were trying to upgrade. And then maybe you take a stab at a guy in, in like a middle, middle round that they think is undervalued or maybe, you know, a uh, Hinden hooker or somebody. I, I, I don't, not that he's the guy for them, just to, you know what I'm saying? Like it doesn't feel like this is a team that's going to pay the premium to draft the quarterback at five. Although yeah, they, they said Pete Carroll flat out said, yeah, we're in the business of quarterbacks, which makes me think he's really not.
1: I don't know. Bree do you believe you, are you buying that? Cause I, I don't know that they really believe they can hit twice with taking a mid round quarterback. That's going to work out. Do you?
2: Yeah, that's that's the lottery. No, you can't count on that. I think that I think it feels like at 5 you're sitting there and you're thinking, all right, you have at least three quarterbacks there and if one of them falls in our lap, we can take them and if not, we can trade out as Brady mentioned or you stick there and take a defensive guy as Brenton mentioned. So, they're just in a good spot where if you want to take a quarterback, if the guy you like falls to you, you take him and if he doesn't, then you go on. You have Geno for this year and maybe you draft a quarterback next year. So, I think this contract which really, I think, the way it's broken down, it kind of locks Gino to the Seahawks for at least two years, uh, and that's it. So then you can draft a quarterback next year if you want. So there's no pressure to do it this year.
0: Brady, do you remember watching? Um, do you remember watching Josh Allen's pro day? Do you remember John Schneider, and Josh Allen's pro day? Yeah. I mean, he's like watching Josh Allen throw, and he looks at John Dorsey, who uh, was then the GM of the Chiefs, but they worked together in Green Bay, and he's like, "Holy!" Like he's like he's like he's just like mouthing like like incredulous, like responses and looks at Josh Allen, throwing the ball, throwing bombs down the field. And I'm not saying that they're the same guy by any stretch of the imagination, but do you sort of made, is like Anthony Richardson, like that sort of freak in nature, dude, where it's like, you know, Geno Smith, like Breach says, you got him for two years, you trust him for two years. It's a reasonable price for a bridge quarterback. It is a premium. I think I agree with you, but it's a reasonable price. And you draft Anthony Richardson, and if you can do make him Josh Allen, all of a sudden you have like completely flipped the script on the whole like where you were with maybe Russell sucks and you're stuck with it. And now, like, you've got like
1: you know, this insane upside prospect. He's the prospect that I think, you know, relates the most to what they look for, right? Like someone with big arm, you know, athletic skills, but just extraordinary talent, right? And not necessarily like the the C.J. Stroud types who can come in right away, be a pocket passer, pick you apart, be the most accurate and all that. Like, they want someone who can just do something extraordinary that no one else in the NFL can do. And Anthony Richardson has some of that ability, I think, would be capable, especially with D.K. Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and being able to hand off to Kenneth Walker. Like, they've got some pieces there. The offensive line played really well. Uh, which is ironic considering Russell leaves and now all of a sudden they make two draft picks that end up working out well, finally. Um, but no, like that's the player that I think it might be worth it for them uh, to, to be able to double dip here. And they go with Gino and they go with Anthony Richardson and they feel pretty confident about where they're at, at the quarterback spot for, for not only the short term, but obviously the long-term as well.
0: And, and I'd say too, breach, I like the idea, like, I, like Gino got paid, you know, did he get? Did he get? You know? Did he max out what he maybe could have gotten on the open market? Ah, who's to say? But you know, he got like just like Derek Carr. He signed that deal early before you're going to get this. Like you're going to have to deal. Everybody now focusing on Aaron Rodgers, etc., cetera, et cetera. And like, like you're like, you know, you know. Sometimes when you're comfortable somewhere and you feel like you had a great, you know, you, had a, you like you feel like you broke out in Seattle. It's almost like you'd prefer to stay there rather than like go see. You know, like you've been in other places. So I think that I think that makes a lot of sense for him to stay.
2: Yeah, and that's why I thought the Daniel Jones contract might look something like this, because he might be a little thankful that, hey, look, I was not very good in the NFL for three, or three years, and then Brian Dable shows up, and I have a great season, and now I'm not going to uh, ask for $40 million a year, because that would be ridiculous based on my track record, whereas Geno Smith is does seem really thankful that, hey, these guys gave me a chance to start. I had a career year. Uh, I looked awesome. They're rewarding me with a pretty solid contract. Could I probably have held out for more? Probably, uh, but I'm going to be happy with what I got. So yeah, this I, this is a great fit. I think the Seahawks and Gino probably both won with this deal since the Seahawks didn't have to overpay and Gino's got a starting job lined up next season.
0: All right, there's a few guys we got to talk about who did not get tagged. Uh-oh. Plus, how did these tags and all these situations affect divisional betting odds? We'll tell you coming up next.
3: To the ones who said we couldn't. That our dreams were too big.
0: We have to think big, really change
3: things. We carry fire in our hearts. So don't doubt us. And don't stand in our way. We are your leaders, your allies, your sisters. All voices belong. And we are phenomenal. Anything is possible. Women Who Move Mountains. Explore the collection on Paramount+. Plus.
0: So the franchise tag was not given out by every team. Some surprises. Uh, we saw um, with the Chiefs. Worth noting they released Frank Clark, who's I think their all-time leading uh, all-time sack leader from the postseason, right? Like he I mean, has to be. He's like all time. He's in, like top what four all time or something like that. Yeah, and very instrumental in the in the in the Chiefs winning multiple Super Bowls. And they did not tag Orlando Brown, which, I, I frankly, surprised me a ton. Their left tackle, they traded for him from Baltimore a few years ago. Um, been, he's been fantastic. was incredible in the Super Bowl against an Eagles pass rush that uh, had the third most sacks of all time. It didn't sack Patrick Mahomes once. And, you know, Brown was playing on the tag, so it would have been expensive, potentially prohibited. Brady. Uh, did either of those moves surprise you, or does this seem like Casey sort of, you know, knowing what they got to do to take care of business?
1: Yeah, it feels like they just feel like they've got Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, and they can figure out a way around a lot of a lot of issues that they have. And I believe is a Wiley, I, I think, as a free agent as well. The other the other tackle spot, so uh, they got some work to do on the offensive line. Um, that being said, though, I also think it might be like the Super Bowl effect, right? Where you've got the ability to lure those guys back. Hey, go out, see what your market worth is. We'll see if we can work out a long term deal. If not, you know, so be it. See a, You know, go find greener pastures. And we'll find somebody either on the free agent market or we'll find somebody who's going to come here at maybe a little bit of a discount just because, you know, if you're part of the Kansas City Chiefs, you're going to probably win your division. You're going to go to the AFC championship game at a minimum and you have a chance to win a Super Bowl. So um, they're, they're kind of now the new England Patriots in the sense of getting guys to come in now and take a discount or to be part of it. And I think you also have to recognize the fact that no one had more rookies than the chiefs uh, play this year So they're not afraid to draft those guys, play them, and be able to hit on a lot of those picks.
2: Right, but it's one thing to have rookies in the secondary or young guys. But another thing on the offensive line, I mean, look, I don't know if you remember this. I'm not sure
1: if you know this. You're on islands when you're out there playing cornerback at a time, especially when you get exposed at safety. I'd much rather put a rookie on an offensive line, especially some of the young guys they've had that have played well, uh, where you've got some help and you can kind of scheme around it. There's nothing you can do when you want to play man-to-man and you get got a bad matchup there, Breach.
2: And- well, I will just say real quick that uh, I vividly remember Super Bowl 55 when the Chiefs had a horrible offensive line. And what happened in that game is that Patrick Mahomes got destroyed. And if you don't have enough time to get off your back, it doesn't hurt. matter how good you I mean, he aggravated the injury because he got hit so many times. You don't I- think that would. You don't think a completely healthy Mahomes would not have still gotten beat up in that game? The Buccaneers two, win
1: game. Two Mahomes. things I'll say this is for the offensive line that they had in that game, the fact that they ran as many five-man prote- uh, pass protections was absurd. So there was a little bit of a scheme issue there. Well, I don't know that they'd do that the second time around after experiencing that. Um, and, and look, we could debate this all day long, Trust me, from experience, I'd much rather have a younger player on an offensive line with help and ways of protecting that, as opposed to a young secondary. Whereas a quarterback, that's the one you put a bunch of young guys in front of me. I know I can get the ball out quick if I've got a bunch of rookies that I'm throwing against, unless they're, of course, Sauce Gardner. Well, and, and the other thing I would say too, like I, I know Brady made the Patriots
0: reference, is like, but I think maybe the, the the better comp could even be the Peyton Manning era Broncos, where it was like, because with the Patriots, you know, you would have people who wanted to come play for the Pats as free agents and but with the with that Broncos team it was like Peyton's like hey look uh, you know, pile it on and, P- and people I mean people flooded to Denver because they knew that Peyton gave him a chance to win the Super Bowl um and with the Chiefs like you're there every year I mean they've been, <laughs> they've been in the AFC championship game every year Patrick Mahomes has started so uh certainly a uh a, you know you could play a little bit of chicken and, and use some of your leverage out there in the market yeah well, un- and real
2: quick one crazy thing is this means that there's going to be some big time left tackles on the market whether it's Orlando Brown Donovan Smith we don't see big-time left tackles hit free agency too often, and you're talking about two, at least two, in, in one offseason.
0: And, and Brown's still very much you know, in his prime and, a, and, a, and a, clearly a, a high-level player who should see a pretty good, pretty robust market. The other team in the Super Bowl, the Philadelphia Eagles, did not franchise tag a single player. We thought they might hit uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson or maybe even James Bradbury. They declined to do so, Brady.
1: Uh, surprised
0: to see the Eagles
1: staying away. Yeah, I thought they'd use it on someone, but again, they've got to kind of save up for the Jalen Hurts deal, right? They've got to sign him this offseason to an extension. You know that's coming. So you probably want to figure that out first before you start working out some other pieces that, you know, again, they might find greater pastures elsewhere, but this is also a team that I think is going to be able to stay amongst uh, the playoff and Super Bowl hopefuls in the NFC for for a while. I mean, let's be honest. If Rodgers does indeed get traded from the Packers to the New York Jets, and let's say, for example, that, you know, you've got Lamar Jackson. We don't know necessarily where he'd go, but, um, you know, if he stays within the AFC or stays within, you know, Baltimore, look at this log jam of quarterbacks in the AFC as compared to what you have in the NFC. I mean, Jalen Hurts and the Eagles are by far and away the best team. And they've got a clear path. I mean, I guess you're looking at what, Derek Carr and the Saints, Kirk Cousins, the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, I'm not even sure who the quarterback's going to be next season. I guess we're expecting Trey Lance for the 49ers so maybe Brock Purdy can come back healthy. I mean, you start looking at the landscape of what the NFC looks like, it, it seems like a clear path, and these guys should probably want to be a part of that moving forward. Seems like a fun environment, too, under Nick Sirianni, like he keeps things pretty fresh. Um, I am curious, though, to see that if you don't get some players plucked away by Jonathan Gannon now, too, especially defensive guys that they've yeah. got, um, now that he's the head coach for the Arizona Cardinals.
0: Well, and you've got, you know, Saint Shane Steigen too, who's with the, the, the Colts. So, like, you know these guys, this is that would that would not be an unusual uh set of circumstances whatsoever. If these guys who are all on the team and playing for the various you know, like play, like you have the two coordinators who leave and get hired as a result of you know getting to the super bowl, and then you have these guys like they're in free agency, guys, new coaches want to get players that they know to come in and help to try to establish their cultures. So that's that's I think that's a great point. Those it may be a little more tough, more difficult to retain these guys in free agency knowing that those
2: coordinators are out there. Okay. And, and real quick, the Eagles obviously have a ton of free agents, but it isn't surprising just because their track record of using the franchise tag is that they don't use it. They haven't used it since 2012. Uh, I, I think the franchise tag has been in the collective bargaining agreement since 1994 and the Eagles have only used it five times total. So this is a team that shies away from the franchise tag. They don't like to use it unless it's absolutely necessary. So not a total surprise that they decided to sit this one out. In 2012, Well, do they use it?
0: Was that Andy Reed or was that Chip Kelly
2: doing it? That was Andy Reed's final year. Oh, interesting. who did they tag that year? Deshaun Jackson. Ah, huh. Billy. Really? Huh. Interesting. Okay. Old oh, Deshaun.
0: All right, let's take a look at some divisional odds and how these various moves affected them. Looking at, of course, Caesars, where we always get our odds from. If Billy can bring up the first set, I think we'll go what NFC East? I probably could have looked at it myself. Sorry about that. Um, you knew it wasn't going to be completely smooth. The, uh, <laughs> all right, NFC West. We'll go there. So the 49ers, still the favorites at minus uh, 160. Wow, that's pretty pretty steep. Rams at 3-1, to one, and the Seahawks, who just signed Geno Smith at 5-1. to one. The Cardinals all the way down there at 17-1. Uh, I don't know that the Geno Smith signing necessarily moves the, the needle on these odds tremendously. I think with the Seahawks, it'll probably be more about – what do they do with those two first round draft picks? Because we saw how well, you know, how much that impacted them last year. They go out and get like two studs and, you know, like like, if they draft a quarterback at five, it won't shrink their odds, right? Because we don't think that quarterback's going to play. So uh, I guess guess what I'm saying is, how do we think that this,
1: you know, do you think that the Geno Smith thing moved the needle at all here? I mean, apparently not. (laughs) 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 I'm looking at the Rams though, thinking to myself, like, look, You've got a lot of staff turnover for the Rams. Um, we'll see while Stafford comes back this this season. Allen Robinson looks like uh, he's either what can be traded or released. Um, not that he had a great year for them, but I think he was playing banged up too. And I still think he's he's got some tread on his tire. Uh, just kind of interesting to see like they're still a part of that favorite mix, but it feels like they're more in rebuild ro- mode right now. And I'm not sure their best football is is, you know, still ahead of them. So the Seahawks might be have some sneaky value there, at least is trying to make a push with San Francisco. But San Francisco is still the favorite. The roster is too talented. Uh, even if it is Trey Lance at quarterback, we know it's not Jimmy G or, or Brock Purdy at some point. But um, they they should still be number one. It is a bit odd though that the Cardinals are as low as they are. I mean, are, are we really not believing Jonathan Gannon can't turn that around at all?
2: I think the, I think the issue is that um, QB situation because f- you don't know when Kyler Murray is going to be back. He might not be back till October. You know, so you're sitting there trying to figure out. Who's gonna be the starter, what that team's gonna look like? I mean, those are long, extremely long odds, considering you don't know that in March. It's uh, I think the Seahawks is a little more wild there because you have a playoff team, nine wins last year, five to one. And the Niners. It's not like you know, the nine the Niners are a really good team.
0: We know that, but like it's not like they're, you know, um,
1: I mean, like well, well, look at Shanahan's win-loss record with a quarterback outside of Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, until this past year with Brock Purdy, uh, it wasn't looking too good. And I still think as a Holdrens at San Francisco it's even 500, even with Purdy this past season.
0: Uh, no, I don't, uh, he may, maybe he was, but I mean, like basically it's like, if you look at it without Jimmy G and like, we don't know if Trey Lance is going to be, I mean, Trey Lance might not be good. We don't know. Um, all right, let's go to the next division that we have, which is the AFC East. Um, Bill's a, Bills and even money, wow! Bills and even money feels. Oh, this is the Aaron Rodgers effect. So the rumor is currently right now that Aaron Rodgers, or there's another rumor. Aaron Rodgers. I mean, like I think at this point we just take it as fact. Aaron Rodgers is meeting with the meeting with the Jets, right? I mean, like enough people have reported this is just happening. Even if Aaron Rodgers says no one no one knows what he's actually doing, he's meeting with the Jets, and as a result, with the belief being that Aaron Rodgers is going to go to the Jets, the Bills are even money to win this division, which. I mean, I don't, give me the bills and even money to win this division all day long. Even with Rodgers in New York, the Jets at plus 240, Dolphins at plus 450, and then the Patriots, the dead last team in this division, Brady, which is – I don't I don't blame the odds makers. It's just kind of wild to see.
1: It's crazy how fast it flipped, right? I mean, we were talking about this team dominating the AFC East for so long. Tom Brady leaves, and now we look at them potentially as the worst in the division. It, it's – it's crazy to think that, um, although, I mean, we're looking at the odds, I would say, juiced a little bit, as you said, for Rodgers being there. Could the Jets, like, jet and just mess this whole thing up with Rodgers and find themselves this' yes. just a terrible position? Um, I don't think it's going to happen, though. I, I think if Rodgers leaves Green Bay, this is probably the most likely destination. Yep. And yep. Uh, I would actually say you might be bullish on the Bills, I would go ahead and take those odds now uh, on no, the no, jets no. with Rogers. Oh, really? You would so yeah, if if Rogers, if the trade
0: happens, this probably becomes like plus one. The Bills probably go to like plus one twenty and the and the jets go to like plus one fifty.
1: Maybe.
2: But but saying, I, I, yeah, I don't even it doesn't even feel like those odds are necessarily juiced for Rogers, it just feels like it's juiced in the sense that the odds makers are assuming the Jets are going to have any upgrade at quarterback because look. They won seven games. They went seven and 10 with Zach Wilson, which is a miracle if you think about it. And so, if you upgrade at all, you're looking at maybe getting the eight or nine wins, make it Aaron Rodgers 10, 11, 12. So, who knows? So, yeah, I feel like the, the I, Jets.
0: I, I, just, I just, I would just say that to me, this feels a lot like the AFC West last year, where if the Dolphins, like, to, you know, people were talking themselves in the Dolphins because they wanted, they want to get involved with that, especially if Tom Brady were to come back and do that. But apparently, he's got a cat. Can't, can't play yeah. for the new Kitten. Um That's true. And, like, like, in other words, like the Bills are the best team in that division, are probably going to win it. But I don't I, I know what you're saying but all right, what's up next? AFC North. Ooh, AFC North, very interesting. The Bengals, oh boy, the Bengals at plus 130, the, Bra- the Ravens at plus 240, Browns at just around four to one, and the Steelers at five and a half to one. I mean, again, it's difficult to, you know, to, to win a division in multiple years in a row. But with the Lamar Jackson stuff happening, I, I don't know if that's properly adjusted for what level. I would short
1: Baltimore if I could do that. Is that possible? <laughs> no, no, but I'm with you. I would short. The, you bet on them not to win the division? Yeah. Yes. I mean, I think Cincinnati's a great look here at plus 130. I mean, just oh, really. yeah, plus odds right now, especially considering the red. I mean, look, Deshaun did not look good last year for the Cleveland Browns. We'll see how what you know, how they improve um, this offseason. Obviously, revamp defense too with the new DC. Uh, I guess they're not expecting Kenny Pickett to take a big step, or you know, in in his second year starting. Matt Canada is still there as the offense coordinator. I know a lot of uh, Steelers fans are not happy about that. So this one's the easiest to handicap to me. Like I think it's the Bengals all day and take it now before it gets any better.
0: And and the idea that you know, look, we've we we talked about at the beginning of the pod, Lamar probably not going anywhere because of what we just what we've heard. But if he were to get like if the Commanders were to go rogue, Dan Snyder goes rogue, and Lamar's out of this division, the Bengals are minus one fifty. Yeah, I, I would. I think jump on the Bengals now if you want to
2: take that division. All right, uh, real quick on that though is right. that the Bengals have never won the AFC North three years in a row, so they're two consecutive, and it really comes down to how you feel about Deshaun Watson. Because if you like him, obviously looked absolutely horrible in six games last year, then the Browns feel like maybe a sneaky good bet. Uh, and also the Bengals have struggled against divisional opponents, they are seven and five over the past two seasons when they won the division. So they still struggle against those teams.
0: Okay. Uh mm, uh, what else do we need? Do we need to look at a few more? Scroll down just to see who's next. The Carolina. Oh, yeah, here we go. So the NFC South, the Derek Cardinals moved to the Saints to plus
1: 135, the Panthers at plus <laughs> 270. Am, is something wrong? Should these be minus odds for the Saints? I mean, yeah. Am, am I am I missing something here? Like he's by far and away the best quarterback. I think Michael Thomas might, who maybe was a cap casually. Now it looks like he might be a part of the roster moving forward this year with the restructure and he's happy. So maybe that's going to work out with Chris Olave and Camara when, when healthy, their offensive lines would of the better in the NFL and they still got a good defense. I mean, I just, they, they seem like by far and away, I wouldn't say it's a cakewalk. It's the NFL, but for a division where you had an eight, nine winner go to the playoffs last year, I would think that the saints and Derek Carr should be able to run away with this one.
0: Especially when we've just heard, and this, look, this may be one of the situations too, where, the odds makers in this particular case, especially with like it's conference tourney week, you know, they're, like they're they're moving the odds around like signings, but it's not free agency. So they're and they all want to have these up. So they, they may not be aggressively adjusting these enough. Like like I would guess that these odds are not adjusted to the, the news that the Panthers and the Falcons are not going to pursue Lamar Jackson. Like if we believe those reports, all of a sudden you now have. Three teams with total question marks at the quarterback position who aren't going to trade for Aaron Rodgers because of the NFC and who aren't going to go get Lamar Jackson if if you believe them, which means that the Saints are definitely going to have the best overall roster. It probably should be like you say, Brady minus one twenty-five or so. Um, clearly, the, the Falcons, the, the Panthers at plus two seventy is just weird to me. All right, uh, AFC South. Do we even does it even matter? <laughs> That's too low for the Jaguars. We uh, we can revisit AFC South. I mean. It's nothing nothing today, nothing during the tag period outside if, of- if, if
1: Derrick Henry though is moved this offseason. Yes, if Derrick or, Henry oh, Tennessee.
0: Yeah, you would short Tennessee. Yes. Yeah, if you could. The NFC South, however, look at that. You tag Tony Pollard, you go down to plus 180. Uh the Giants, the Giants don't appear to have the Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones news doesn't appear to have did do anything. Didn't do
1: anything. Yeah. Didn't do anything.
0: All right. I mean, if you lose Daniel Jones, maybe the Giants are closer to 10 to one. Um is it worth a 10 to 1 stab on Washington if they went out and got Lamar? You, you, you would be betting the 10 to
2: 1, hoping that I don't like, I think,
1: yeah, hoping that they find a way of getting him. I mean, I don't, I, don't, uh, I don't know.
2: I mean, again, that's a team that won eight games with uh, not very good quarterback play. So if you just get a slight upgrade, maybe they can. I, I feel like that number is at least sprinkling, as Brinson loves to say, sprinkle, sprinkle. sprinkle. Yeah. I mean, it, the, the idea of it, like,
0: with what we've heard of all these teams in Lamar, it's like, all right, I think it's probably likely that he's going to
1: stay in Baltimore, but probably lower than Jimmy one. Let's say it's not Lamar. Let's say it's Jimmy G. Like, are you then looking at going, okay, like I can, I can see them winning see, nine for,
0: games. They would probably come down to like eight to one or something like that. It's just like the total uncertainty of quarterback makes it really, really difficult. Um, Okay. AFC West. The Chiefs are still too cheap. <laughs> Chiefs should be minus 200 every year to win this division. I Russell know. Wilson. I, I mean, I don't hate Sean Payton or Russell Wilson at all, obviously. But, um, you yeah, know, Chiefs at minus 150. Chargers plus 340.
1: Broncos four and a half to one. And the Raiders 12 to one. I mean, I mean, they throw a Hail Mary and get Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, that's the only way these odds improve. Outside of that, I mean, obviously, the Josh Jacobs franchise tag doesn't really do much.
0: No, and, and like this number of breach, I think, reflects the idea that we've heard a lot of speculation that Rodgers and the, and the Raiders is just not going to be a thing.
2: Yeah, and, and you know, it is a little surprising to see the Broncos. Again, that's the mystery. Sean Payton, Russell Wilson, but like Freddie said, tag means nothing for the Raiders. You don't know who their quarterback's going to be. You can't, I don't think you can bet on them.
0: Do we have any, do we have any division? I can't keep track. All right, I've seen North. One more. Last one. Ooh. Ooh. Is the,
2: you, are the favorite? The yeah, the Lions are the favorite at
0: plus 140. The Vikings at plus 275. <laughs> Packers plus 320. And the Bears at f- five to one for the Bears. That's seems insanely there should have been like 10 to 1. Yeah, like 12. <laughs> higher. Yeah. I mean, five to I mean, I have no interest in the Bears at five to one. If they were like 10 to 1, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to it. The Vikings to me stands out as pretty obvious. And like, what if Aaron Rodgers isn't traded? Now, the reports are that you know there was a rumor that the, the Packers are hoping he comes back and it's like, I don't want to play anymore, or I don't want to play here anymore. And they're like, Cool, we'll trade you. But I mean, if Aaron
1: Rodgers gets it comes back to the
0: Packers, they're a lot closer. They're probably the favorites.
1: Is this line baked in for Rogers being the starter next year? I think Jordan Love. Because it's Jordan Love, it's way too high. It's way. Like, I, it should be like I would. I, I, should, I would think they should be like five to one.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's. I think it is a, a a hedge. They don't want to make it five to one plus, and then like Rogers comes back and just get obliterated. But you don't want to make it because if you move it down to like you know, where the Rogers numbers should be, which would be like plus plus one twenty. And
2: Everyone will bet the other teams hoping yeah. Rogers doesn't play.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, cause I think they got burned on the Packers last year too, by the Packers
2: stinking. I know I got
0: burned on the Packers last year.
2: Dumb. Um, okay. That's it. That's
0: all the divisions. Good stuff. Franchise tag recap of Brady Quinn's football show. John Breach. Is that new? Is a new watch?
1: Breach? Breach. Oh, there it is. Oh, I think it's pretty sizable. What are you going
2: to do? Give me I I bought it with my franchise tag money. There you go. All right. That'll do it for us. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. For Brady,
0: for Breach, I'm Princeton. Bears beats Battlestar Galactica.
3: See you guys (laughs) later.